Our scripture lesson this evening is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. We're going to start reading at verse 17 and read through verse 25. John, chapter 15, at verse 17. This is God's word for us. Jesus says, This is my command, love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. And dear people of God, shortly after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, we, we discovered that the religious authorities were now planning to kill Lazarus as well because he was the living proof that Jesus had the power to raise him from the dead. And so their hatred for Jesus was so deep that now they were planning not only to kill Jesus, but they were planning to kill Lazarus as well, this innocent man, just because he was the proof of Jesus' uh, power. Now in our passage this evening, it's just several days later, uh, Passover happened the previous Sunday. Jesus had eaten, or the, the entrance into Jerusalem had happened the previous Sunday. Now Jesus had eaten the Passover meal with his disciples, and in these few hours before he would be arrested, before he would be taken away, he spends as much time as he can teaching his disciples about what was to come. Jesus wants to make sure that his disciples understand what was ahead for them. And Jesus warns them that they will bear the brunt of the world's hatred. Now, as I read these verses and studied them, they raised a lot of questions in my mind, mostly because what Jesus said would happen has not been my own experience. I can't say that I have experienced this kind of hatred in my life. And so this evening, we're going to be asking some questions and see what God's Word has to say about the answers. And so as I, I worked through this passage, my first question was, was, who is the world, the world that Jesus is talking about, that is so full of hatred against Jesus and his disciples? Now, Jesus had just commanded his disciples to love each other, to have this strong love that that would keep them bound together. They would need that love for one another in order to face the hatred of the world that was coming to them. 
Now, when, when Jesus talks about the world, he's referring to the war that has been going on since the beginning of time, since uh, Satan in the Garden of Eden tricked Adam and Eve into falling into sin. Now, sometimes we talk about the war between good and evil, but, but more appropriately, it's the war between God and Satan. And all humankind is aligned either with God or with Satan, whether, whether they realize it or not. And so when Jesus is talking to his disciples about the world, he's talking about humanity that has been untouched by the love and the grace of God. These are people who have hardened their heart against God, who are living in rebellion against his son Jesus. They, they may say they are obedient to God, but their lives say otherwise. Think about how Paul hated the, the Christians before he actually met Christ on the road to Damascus. I mean, he had no qualms whatsoever arresting Christians, putting them into prison, even, even attesting and giving assent to their executions. And in doing these things, Paul sincerely believed that he was doing a favor for God by persecuting Christians. And Paul was not alone by any means. The hatred against Jesus and his disciples was spearheaded by the religious authorities, by the scribes, the Pharisees, the, the religious elite. Their religious beliefs had put them in power and they were willing to do whatever it took to keep that power. They claimed to be Abraham's descendants, the children of Abraham, the, the rightful descendants of that rich religious heritage. But in reality, they did not know God and they did not know God's son, Jesus Christ. They despised the Gentiles, but again, in reality, often those Gentiles were closer to God than these religious elite. And the world that Jesus warned his disciples about is still very much present today. No, we don't have scribes and Pharisees that are walking around and just uh, hate oozing from them. But there are still those today who have rejected openly God's claim on their lives. Those who, who live in rebellion against him and who hate the followers of Jesus Christ. The world is still present in our world today. And so that was my first question. Who, who or what is this world that Jesus is talking about? Now, my second question is related, of course, it's, and, and that was, well, why in the world does the world hate Jesus so much? Now, maybe you're going to say, well, Pastor, that's a silly question because Jesus actually quoted two psalms that said, they hated me without reason, so probably with, shouldn't even ask this because there's no good reason. But they were insanely jealous of Jesus and of his popularity with the people. They hated Jesus because of his teaching. Now in verse 22, Jesus said, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. So why would the religious authorities who, who were opposed to God's love hate Jesus because of his words? 
Well, think about it. Now, there are people that we might strongly dislike, maybe not hate, but there are people that we strongly dislike because of their words. I mean, we, we hate arrogant boasting. We can't stand people who are proud unless, of course, that pride is within ourselves. But, but Jesus was never arrogant. He never spoke a boastful word. He was the most humble person who ever lived. He left the glory of heaven, and he lowered himself to become a servant. He was willing to wash the dirty, smelly feet of his disciples, for goodness sake. Only a truly humble person would be willing to stoop so low to serve those whom he loved. We can't stand selfish people whose words reveal that they are only thinking about themselves, who only talk about themselves. They think the world revolves around them, and somehow the conversations always come back to them. Now, if, if we have accomplished something, well, they've accomplished something even better. If we have a good idea, wow, they've got a great idea. Probably you know somebody like this. I think we all have them in our lives. But Jesus wasn't like that at all. He never spoke a selfish word. His words were the far from selfish. Rather, he was always listening to people. He was willing to listen to others, and his words were always directed to their good. We also hate to hear mean words, <laughs> insulting words. But again, Jesus was just the opposite. Jesus' words always reflected kindness and gentleness and love. He said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Or hypocritical words. We hate hypocritical words, don't we? We, we can't stand it when someone is talking out of both sides of their mouth. We can't stand it when someone says something to our face, but say completely different, something completely different when they're not with us. So how are we to understand that Jesus was hated for his words when his words were not arrogant or selfish or, or hypocritical or mean? But that's just the point. Jesus and his humble, kind, and truthful words make us look and sound so much worse than before. His good words point out our failures and our sin. You see, God's word always exposes us for who we really are. And that's why the teachers of the law hated Jesus so much. His teaching brought people closer to God. Their teaching drove people away from God. Jesus' words were life-giving. They were, were like bread to starving people. All the people were amazed at Jesus' teaching because he taught as one having authority and not like the scribes and Pharisees. Oh, Oh, those Pharisees hated that when the people said that. But Jesus said, he's not only going to be hated for his words, he's also hated for his works. 
for the things that he did. We read in verse 24, if I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated me and my Father. Now, when Jesus was talking about his works, he's talking about the, the miracles, the, the powerful signs and wonders that he performed. Now, you would think that the mighty signs and wonders that Jesus performed would actually draw the religious leaders to Jesus. It would change their minds about them if, if they saw him doing these mighty miracles. In actuality, it made them hate Jesus even more. Think about Jesus raising Lazarus. I would think that if any one of us would see Jesus going to a dead man and saying, come out of the tomb and the dead man coming out, we would have to admit that Jesus is the Messiah and we put our faith in trusting him, not the religious leaders. For them, this miracle did just the opposite. It made them even more determined to kill not just Jesus, but to kill Lazarus as well. Jesus connects all of these mighty works that he's doing. He connects them to his father. In fact, he would do the mighty miracles, not just to benefit the recipients. It certainly did that. But he did them to bring glory to the Father. As Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer in John 17, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. As James Montgomery Boyce concludes, this is precisely why the world hates Jesus. It hates him because he was doing the works of God. And the works of God, like the words of God, reveal our spiritual bankruptcy. Before we had Christ's works for comparison, our works looked pretty good. But next to his deeds, even the best of our works look shabby. So, the world, those who are outside of God's grace, outside of his love, hated Jesus Christ. So my next question then was, well, if, why then do they hate the disciples of Jesus, the followers of Jesus? After all, none of us is perfect. In fact, it's, it's often surprising how bad God's people can be. So why would his disciples be so hated? Jesus was pretty clear in verses 18 and 19 if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. You see, since the world hates Jesus, it also hates those who are called by his name, who belong to him. We are called to speak the words, same words as Christ. We are to do the same kinds of kind and loving and God-glorifying works that Jesus did. And so we receive the hatred that Jesus had from the world as well. And because of that, the, the early Christians were hated by the Jews. They were hated by the Roman government. They were hated by the general population. 
They were hated by the Jewish authorities because they were proclaiming salvation through Jesus Christ alone, not by observing all the laws, all the rituals by which they sought to be right with God. You remember when, when Peter and John healed that, that uh, lame beggar at the gate of the temple? After they healed the man, they proclaimed to the gathered crowd that they were able to do this mighty work only through the name of Jesus. And, of course, the religious leaders weren't going to let that happen. They had them arrested, put in jail. The next day, Paul, or John and Peter stood in front of the Sanhedrin, told them the exact same thing, that they were able to heal that man through the power of Jesus' name. The Sanhedrin responded by telling them, don't ever mention that name again. And Peter and John chose to obey God rather than men. And so the religious authorities hated the Christ followers. The Roman government hated the early Christians because it regarded them as disloyal citizens. Now, shortly before Christ, the Roman government was started demanding emperor worship. Every year, every citizen of Rome was required to burn incense and declare that Caesar is Lord. But that's exactly what the early Christians refused to do. They would declare that only Jesus is Lord. And in the eyes of Rome, that made them disloyal citizens and made them worthy of the hatred and persecution they received. The government persecuted Christians because they had no king but Christ, and only he was Lord. But the early Christians were hated by the general population as well. The people of the world hated Christians because they were so different from them. They had different values. They had different practices. Now, people tend to be suspicious of those who are different from themselves. And where there is suspicion, very often lies follow. They suspected the early Christians of cannibalism because of the language associated with the Lord's Supper, with communion, taking the bread and the juice. And soon the lies were, were passed that the Christians were cannibals. They spread the word that the Christians were rebelling against Caesar because they refused to say Jesus is Lord, despite the fact that they were the best citizens in every other area. But mostly the Christians were hated because, like Christ, their compassion and their love shone a light into the darkness and into the lives of those of the world. Now, that brings us to our final question. And that is, why don't I experience very much hatred for being a follower of Jesus Christ? After all, Jesus was perfectly clear. He said, if they persecute me, they will persecute you also. And they certainly did persecute Jesus throughout his entire ministry, but especially after they arrested him, beat him, put him through a mockery of a trial, and hung him on the cross. And Jesus also said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up that cross, and follow me. So I'm thinking, why is my life so easy? Why is my life so free from persecution or even inconvenience for the sake of Christ? 
certainly where we live has something to do with that. We live gratefully in a nation that has freedom of religion as, as one of its basic rights. Besides that, we live in an area of the nation that has, has more Christians than in many other areas of our nation. But still, shouldn't I experience even uh, a little bit of persecution if I'm a Christian? Now, I, I don't want to exaggerate our situation. I don't want to equate it in any way with those who truly are persecuted for their faith. As I was working on this message, I received a letter from Wycliffe Translators. Maybe you received the same letter. And the letter started out like this. You believe in Jesus, you'll have to die. Yes, such a statement sounds outrageous, preposterous, but the tragic truth is it's happening every single day across the Middle East, Africa, and Asia. Oppressive regimes devote themselves to crushing out any flicker of Christianity. People who leave their traditional religious system and, and place their faith in Jesus Christ risk their lives. Some must literally run for their lives, cross the border, hide out in another country just to survive. Yes, there are many Christians today who risk their lives for the sake of Christ. Their suffering is great as they face the hatred of the government officials, of their neighbors, and even of their own family members. What we are called to endure is nothing compared to what they suffer. What we need to do for those who are in that situation is pray for them. Seek to, to provide them with the resources they need so that their, their faith can be strengthened. Still, I believe that we will see increasing hatred against believers for the sake of Christ, even where we live here in Iowa. Uh, while Christianity used to be the majority religion in our nation, uh, we are diminishing in numbers and in influence. Christians are becoming more and more marginalized in our country. While Christians used to be respected, now Christians are often ridiculed for our faith. Pastors used to be the most highly respected people in the uh, members of society. Now pastors are seen as wolves in sheep's clothing. Unfortunately, some of that reputation is earned by our actions. Instead of being hated because we are Christ's disciples, I think sometimes we are persecuted for being so unchrist-like. We are mistrusted because we have not been trustworthy. We are seen as hypocritical because in many instances that's what we are. It isn't that we are hated because we are Christ's disciples, but because we fail so miserable to live as Christ's disciples. Yet, if we are living our lives obediently as Christ's disciples, we will, I'm sure, experience the truth of what Jesus said to his disciples that night. Because our lives will bring light into the darkness 
And darkness hates the light because light destroys darkness. If it is evident in our lives that our highest devotion is to Jesus Christ, not to the things of this life, then we will experience rejection. When we seek to live obediently to Jesus, our motives are going to be misunderstood by those around us. And with that misunderstanding will come mistrust of our motives and even hatred of us. Instead of shrinking back, instead of conforming to the society around us, we need to live our lives boldly for the sake of Jesus Christ. We need to follow Christ without fear and without shame, regardless of what the world thinks of us. Our Savior deserves nothing less. As Jesus said in Mark 8, if anyone is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Maybe you, you noticed that when we started reading this text, verse 17 is actually in our Bibles. It's included in the previous section of verses. It seems to me that, that that's misplaced. It seems to me that that verse needs to go with the section we read about being hated for the sake of Christ. And I, I say that because it's pretty clear to me that our hope and the antidote to the world's hatred is to love, to love God above all, to love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, and even to love our world who has not yet come to know God as their Father. Through that love, we can bring the good news to them. Through that love, we can begin to point them to Jesus. And that's our goal, to continue to show God's love to those who don't know him. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that we have not had to suffer very much for you yet. But Lord, when that time comes, make us ready. Help us to stand strong and firm in you. Lord, help us, keep us from compromising our faith and our commitment to you in order to play it safe or to avoid risk. Father, we pray too for your children that are being persecuted mercilessly around the world. Lord God, keep them in the grip of your hand. Keep their faith strong. Will you cause those who are uh, doing the persecution, will you help them to turn away from that? Lord, will you restrain the evil and may they turn to you and come to know you as their Savior and as their Lord as well. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.